Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to be here with you on this fine and dandy autumn morning. Isn't it superb gardening weather? You can call us right now, 94841927. You'll be chatting with Bev Daring. And, of course, John Glidden is standing by to assist with your questions and queries and complaints and positives and just send it all through. That's what we're here for. Gardening at curtainfm.com.au is another way to contact us and a big shout out to the dynamic duo Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton they always set the pace and we'll do our best to carry that on and not forgetting cycling DJ Jim Crinan for his update just now and Jim returns at 10am with the classic 70s Fagharo, good morning. What a great day. It is a great day. I'm just catching up, Ray, because Lisa's going to ask us what our favourite eucalypts tree, are. So tree, just... favourite tree. Wasn't it a favourite eucalyptus oh, tree? Oh, I don't know. My notes, I just read, what's your favourite tree in your garden? Oh, it might. Oh, okay. <laughs> no wonder you're having kittens. <laughs> <laughs> I'll reread it in the break. <laughs> Very good. Because I, I don't do favourites. I don't choose children and... You know, I just love them all for different reasons. Different reasons, absolutely. No, it is hard to choose choose a favourite anything. I agree. In the garden, anyway. <laughs> yes. How have you been? How's your week? Oh, great week. Good gardening weather and mm, yeah, yes, yeah, it's been, been it's been absolute bliss, hasn't it? And continuing on, of course, this long weekend as well. And of course, the promise of some rain next week, which if we really get stuck into the gardens over this weekend. And perhaps Monday as well, we will take full advantage of a, a little rain coming our way, perhaps Monday, late Tuesday. How yes, does that sound? Let's get some planted, some yeah. pot plants in the garden. How exciting will that be? So we're chatting at 20 past eight to Lisa Passmore. This will be the third part of our little series uh, to inspire uh, our listeners to go, go about planning your own garden design and how you go about it. So this is the third chat we're having with Lisa and today this is the good part we're selecting the palette and how you go about <laughs> that we're both sort of like little school kids aren't we you know with our hands rubbing together we I'm, can't wait I'm not very good at this Ray why because I like I would be a de- designer's worst nightmare, nightmare. because you change your mind I reckon well, there's all the other factors. It's like once you commit it to paper, like maybe yeah. after I planted everything, maybe I could draw it on paper. Yeah. If I did it first, uh, I can't stick to a plan. Okay. Yeah, you know, well, like there's... You do tend to tweak things and, mm. yeah, I know, I know. I think I did that a little bit with a lady that did mine and I think she was absolutely mortified that a couple of things were moved around, you know, but that that's it's at the end of the day it's your garden mm. and, of course, we're getting, you know, the professional advice and we're taking 85% of that on. 
<laughs> well, it's lifting uh, our game, is it not? It really is. Mm. And at five past nine, uh, we're chatting with Renee Hiller from A Pace Nursery. They've got an environmental day coming up on the 30th of April. This is going to be Do Not Miss. Yeah, this is a really spectacular event. Very excited to talk to everyone about that this morning as well. And there's a lot of stuff coming up. There is. Yeah, yes. lots of things, lots of events, and uh, it's all happening. So where are we? We're in April. So we've been lucky. Some of the open gardens that were cancelled are reopening because of the changes in the, in the COVID rules. So that is exciting for everyone as well. And next weekend is the first open garden of the season yeah. uh, coming up. So we will we'll talk to someone next weekend all about yeah, that. Yeah, about that as well. So there is a lot going on out there. So 94841927. Now I know we have some emails to get through and where else are we at, Faye Cara? Well, all right, let's kick off with the emails, Ray. Okay. So this has come in from Teresa and she thanks us for the garden program each Saturday. She enjoys it and learns a lot from it too. The problem that she has is she's in a unit and it has a small garden out the back. Because of the high fences, she doesn't get a lot of sun in, uh. in spite of facing north. The small garden is on the west and the east side. So in summer, she gets too much sun on one part of the garden and none in winter. Can't you relate to that? I've oh. had that. It's just, and I know Bev has a problem with that in her, her garden as mm. well. It's a shocker. It is. And you have I, that dilemma. Yes. And well, I, I don't know that I do. I think uh, I get enough light in all parts of my garden mm. not to see any part of it as a a real problem. But she's but, obviously got fence issues and things mm, like that that are but I causing think, shade. So you can then design your garden for shade. Yes, yes. And then for summer, you can create shade. Now, I'm a big lover of deciduous trees because I yeah. feel that when they lose their leaves, they feed the soil. Mm. So even if you did nothing, you would be feeding the soil when the leaves break down. And that will buffer that summer sun and it will give you another element of interest as well so create your own own uh, shade in the summer by using a deciduous tree now depending on the style of your garden you might go something tropical mm. like a frangipani or even a native frangipani which will or can grow very tall mm. and they're very fast growing but they will drop a, quite a few leaves as well not mm. totally deciduous uh, but they will give you that leaf drop and they will give you some some shade. So that could be an option. Mm. Anyway, uh, further problems here. Despite having now good soil and putting worm juice on it all, the plants have been attacked by pests. Mm. We use different natural sprays as well as Econeme, Trace Elements and Pyrethrum, but nothing appears to help. I would be most grateful for your help and I've taken a few photos. So definitely there's uh, mint leaves here that have been attacked by a bug. One of the leaves is very green and healthy looking but might, well, damage to it, possibly older leaves. There's also some that are yellowing with spots. Now this could be a sign of, so either sunburn or too wet. So check the soil and make sure that it's not in a cold, damp, wet spot, although they will grow with their, their leaves in water. Mm. So I would pick off all the, the daggy leaves, tidy up the plant, 
they're very susceptible to caterpillars. So if I was going to treat anything, I'd use Dipel, the caterpillar killer. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes once the damage is done, you clean up the plant, you remove all the daggy leaves and get rid of it. The fact is you may have sprayed and you may have fixed the problem, but because all the the leaves are still there, it doesn't look any better. So Mm. give each and every plant a bit of love by cleaning up the daggy leaves. Uh, There's also another plant here that I can't quite... Oh, it may be a small rainbow chard. Now, once again, take off the lower leaves as they grow and monitor the new growth. That's where you're looking for signs of new bug attack. There's also a geranium leaf here. Yeah. And I watched a video during the week about geraniums in humid weather getting signs of oedema on their leaves. Right. And there is nothing you can do about it. So once again, it might be time to clean up the plant. Mm. You know, just give each and every plant a bit of love. Remove the damaged leaves. If your geranium is quite messy... Give it a cut back and give it a, a feed. Uh, you can use a, a seaweed product or and a liquid fertilizer designed for flowering plants. And a lot of these things will come back, Bounce back. quite well. Mm. But monitor going forward. So when you see new growth that is damaged, that's when you go hunting. Mm. Then we need to work out, is it a caterpillar? Is it a, a grasshopper? Is it something else? Mm, mm. So, and what about the piece underneath? There was another photo there. What's that? I can't tell what that is, Ray. First of all, I looked at it and thought, ah, chili thrip, but then I'm not sure if that's a, from a rose. Well, I I can't see any thorns. No. And it looks similar to a blackberry nightshade, the weed. Oh, okay. So mm. I, I'm not sure I'm not what that sure. is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well That's done. That's got that one sorted. How are we going for time? We're good. We're waiting for calls too. We, so we are. anyone <laughs> sitting out there waiting. If you'd like to give us a call and, and uh, stop us from uh, chatting like we do. Yes. 94841927. Now, last weekend when we were speaking to Lisa, this encouraged um, Tim to send in an email photos of his garden. Is this lucky Tim we're talking about? Yes. <laughs> very now, lucky Tim. Very grateful that he did. I, w- I was a bit frightened that I may have put him off and he did suggest that he'd like a hedge and I then did say, well, I wasn't a fan of hedges, mm. particularly not for someone who admits they are a beginner gardener. Mm. Anyway, it inspired this other email. My wife, my partner Heidi and I really enjoy your show, Saturday mornings. We always come away with a tip or two. We live on 38 acres in Moranga, about 15 minutes out of Gijigana, on the way to 2J. Last Saturday, we were listening to the show. When we were heading into the city, a gentleman from Thornley called with his blank canvas garden. One of the features he wanted was a flowering hedge. And the comment made was that a lot of hedges had suffered badly during our hot summer. Mm. As you had brought this to our attention, the trip became a game of count the dead hedge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) We would like to make a suggestion for an indestructible garden that makes a great hedge and flowers as well. The photos attached show rosemary has worked very well in our inhospitable location. It takes little water to keep them in good condition, most of which comes from spray while watering the lawn. 
off to the garden now to plant this year's garlic prop. Thanks very much, Dave and Heidi. That was yeah, yeah very that was enjoyable. A great email. And and yes, I I know rosemary can can be great, but I also think on the flip side they can have a lifespan. And I've seen this in a rental property where. You know, you've you've got changes of owners. The hedges grow really well. They look good. A new owner takes over. They're not a gardener. They might miss out on water. Mm. Uh, Inspection time comes and they get a cut back, maybe too much, you know. And 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 Mm. that's it. It's done and dusted. It's ruined. Mm. Mm. Um, So, yes, you, you can do it. But I do believe there's a level of commitment with it. And I know it can be... It can go wrong. So, Mm. you know, I just go in my head to let's find something bulletproof. Let's Mm. go low maintenance, really water-wise, and let's just cut out any of those risk factors. Possibilities. Mm. Yeah, no, fair call. All right, let's head to Mandurah. We're talking about Bougainvilliers and Slaters. Maureen, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. And you ladies are good? Oh, oh very yes. well. Thank you. All right. Um, the thing is, I've uh, with my Bougainvillea, um, I think I got onto an American when I Googled it, but my, my Bougainvillea has sort of got a bit different this year. It's so thick, and, it, and I do have a few of the trailers that come down, which I sort of cut back. And I know you cut them back twice a year, but this, this year, my, I'm, I'm a bit worried about it too. Um, very thick branches with a sort of like um, a bell of leaves at the end of each um, heavy stick. So, you know, instead of long trailers, it's really um, thickened up. And I'm, I'm looking about the weight of it as well. So when would be the best time without losing the um, flowers which you wait all year for Mm, (laughs) can I I cut some of this back it's really looking very heavy up there and thick Mm. after a plant flowers is the best time to prune it back yours sounds very like it's starting to get out of hand Uh, and and they can you know this is the worst thing my husband doesn't like bougainvilleas anymore uh, but I just find them very un, very forgiving and you can put them in a space where they don't get water. They fill a big gap. You don't have to worry about weeds underneath. They just take over the space and look good. But if you've got it in a space that it needs to be contained, yeah, you this is a job that you really have to keep on top of. Is it too big for the space it's in? Well, it might be too heavy. You know, so over a whole um, wood uh, bog, um Pagola? Pagola, uh, yeah. Mm. And, uh, and and I know my girlfriend, when her pagola, she, her, her um, husband had actually made some of it out of um, hard iron and that. So, and hers still sagged and mine's just wood. So with a mesh um, um, covering over over it. But um, I'm just afraid that it might, you know, be getting too heavy. So when can I cut it back, um, do you think? As soon as you're ready, Maureen, and probably the sooner the better, because they do take a life on, take on a life of their own once you leave yeah. them. 
So when I was on the um, the website, it said, you know, after flowering, so much off, and then during the winter, um, so much off. So... Um, well, you, those you both of those things are going to coincide, but yours is flowering now, so... No, no, it's, it's oh. definitely... It's oh. definitely it's a while, while ago, yeah. Okay, definitely do it now. Definitely oh. do it now. And I have found that they do shoot back from the older wood. Well, sometimes oh, okay. they do. A, a yeah. lot of the parts, if it's a healthy growing part, they will shoot back from the thicker wood. Okay. And also, uh, for the first time, I um, found some giant pansies. I haven't seen the, the seedlings for them for years. And uh, so I got really excited and bought them, put them in the garden, and something ate them all. And um, um, I did put um, snail pellets down and everything. And uh, there's no dead snails around, so it definitely wasn't them. So I'm really quite upset. They've actually all been chewed down to yeah. a stump. So yeah. Would, mm. would it be slaters? Because I do have plenty of those it, around. It certainly could be. There are some pellets that are blue that will, I'm pretty sure that they will target your slaters as well. Uh, Maureen, we, we have an interview lined up. Um, can we come back to this before the end of the show for you? So yeah. we'll, we'll just talk about it during the show, okay? It's just that when I looked in Bunnings, there was nothing with slaters on, and I don't know if there's another word for slaters, but I couldn't find anything with slaters on it. All know, right, to... we'll come back to this for okay. you, Maureen. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Cheers for that. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, and we'll be chatting with Lisa Passmore from Inspired by Nature next. Radio. You are with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Going straight out to the lines to say good morning to Lisa Passmore. How are you? Oh, good morning. I am good, thank you. And How are we all this morning? Great. Sorry for making you wait there. Appreciate okay. your patience. <laughs> We've been enjoying our little segment with you each week. It's been very inspiring and we appreciate how thorough you are with your preparation you're a, you're a pro girl aren't you you're very professional well, thank you right yeah yeah, I'm yeah. professionals here so yep oh that's good to know so yeah. where where are we up to now lisa well, so we're looking, we're week three, where last week we talked about finding inspiration, exploring garden themes and styles, and matching those descriptive words that evoke the mood or the style of your dream garden with images or photos of gardens. Yeah. This week we're going to be looking at selecting the palette. Um, but I think it's really important that we preface that conversation with a comment on gardening in Perth. Yeah. Um, we have... So we might be stating the obvious here, but we have some of the poorest, most nutrient depleted soils in the world, aren't we lucky? Very. And, <laughs> and um, we're seeing a trend towards hotter, drier summers, and we certainly experienced that just yes. just gone with the hottest summer on record in a long time. Yes. Um, so I think this this knowledge really has to be at the forefront of of our garden selections and choices and, and when we're choosing plants for our gardens and when we're thinking about our soil prep because I, I do say that gardens don't happen in Perth by accident. Um, yeah. We have to put in some planning and and careful preparation. So, um, But it is possible to have beautiful gardens 
in Perth, and we've certainly we've certainly seen some great examples. Um, and one of I think the best climate appropriate choices that we can make is to look at planting Australian plants. Yeah, and and even better local plants. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Less than you know. Did you know that less than ten percent of Perth gardens grow local native plants? Less than ten percent. Yeah, it's very low figure. Mm. It's pretty crazy. So, yeah, and yet you know, you say so you've seen there's some amazing plants oh. that we can choose from out there. So yes. many. Um, you know, and I think so we've got a lot to learn from them. But I mean, the the easy upside, of course, is we can get inspiration from the bushland around us and yes. the fact that they are such a habitat for our local wildlife mm. uh, and, yeah. we, and we don't get calls about um, pest problems with our local native species Lisa yeah no, funny that <laughs> yeah 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 it's a lot of ticks um, there that people mm. we're not you don't tend to promote as much as we should yeah, and the plant breeders have been working so hard on developing um, new and, and more exciting forms and forms with with longer flowering periods and yeah. um, there's lots of amazing Australian plants there and Kings Park have been um, a, a big hand in, in developing those new cultivars, um, all yeah. the buzz around the new kangaroo paws recently. Yes. Um, yep. I'm sure you've you've heard about the the new colour forms coming through. <laughs> I've heard gra- of I've them. Gra- well, yeah, I've, I've grabbed about six of them, Lisa. <laughs> I have one. So, yeah. Well done. Well yeah, done. Yeah. Pretty exciting time to be. Yeah, very exciting. Australian plant. Yeah. Yes. And at the very least, I, I do hope that listeners are looking at selecting water-wise plants for their gardens. Mm. And I just thought when we when we're talking talking plants, the term. Waterwise encompasses our local and Australian native plants as well as plants from similar climatic zones. Mm. So waterwise also includes plants from the Mediterranean region, yes. um, from the Cape region of South Africa, yes. um, from California, central Chile, um, and specifically in Australia, we're look, looking at our West Australian, Southwest and South Australian plants. Um, provide us with some good water-wise options, mm. uh, and that's the thing that I think some that needs clarification because some yeah. think Australian plants are all water-wise, but if they're coming from a tropical part of Australia, they're going to have different requirements, absolutely, uh, and, and greater needs for water. So. And, yeah, and important to point that out, Lisa. So thank you. Actually, that's an that could be another four-week class on its own, you <laughs> true, know, because true. we. We do have problems mm. when we go to our local garden centre and distinguishing. And, well, we look at mm. the the stand that says native plants, and I can tell you, not everything on yeah. those stands is West Australian for yeah. starters. No, no, yeah. no. So that would be local if you're looking for West Australian, um, or, or specifically local to your area. But um, mm. yeah, so it it does get a bit confusing. But mm. we're here to help, aren't we? We we sure are. <laughs> Um, and in terms of the, the palette, another big factor in, in um, local in gardens is is the conversation about lawn, and um, I think it needs to be given careful consideration about how it where it's placed, what is the usage requirement, um, and how much is needed. And I was talking with a client just this week about lawns and it being a 
designated area um, and not using it as as infill or for pathways. Mm. Um, I love a good lawn. It, it, how yeah. good does it feel under underfoot? Beautiful under bare feet. And it's um, so important for play. And if you've got kids or grandkids or pets, yes. Um, but how much do we really need? Um, and do we really need it on the verge? Well, I think uh, not. On well, the verge. Uh, in some <laughs> cases, some of the suburbs, the the front areas are so small, the the street gets clogged up with cars. Yeah. Whereas if yeah. you're you you know you want to have people over and you have regular visitors. The lawn can double as a parking area. So, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's not the main use, but it's certainly mm. a useful use. So just having uh, enough of a strip yeah. out the front to get your visitors off the the road and keep the mm. access way clearer. You're I, I'm I'm confused, but okay, that's that's not unusual. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I I understand what you're saying, but I. I Absolutely, Lisa. Love the idea of verge gardens. I'm a huge fan of that. I think yeah. everyone should have, you know, their verges planted out. I've got mine planted out. Mm. Mm, yes, brilliant. And we do too. And look, having if you've got regular parking on the verge going on, yeah, then your lawn is going to suffer. If you've got lawn on the verge, it's going to get compacted from those vehicles ongoingly if it's a regular occurrence. But um, with some of my clients, we've factored in space to, to park a car um, amongst gardens. So using pavers or compacted um, non-slippy material under where the tyre tracks go, but putting in ground covers between and, and low things. So there's, there are lots of opportunities there, I think, and we can factor in parking as well if we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but my thinking with verges, you know, it's, it's that there's a, a lot of water and a lot of upkeep required for a lawn on a verge when when we can we can get creative there. We can we can have beautiful seasonal colour displays. They can be havens for wildlife. They can be corridors connecting remnant bush areas with each other. These little you know, remnant bush areas of our local plants are getting increasingly fragmented and isolated. So planting out verges can help with that too. Um, and we talked a bit was it week one about the borrowed landscape. Yeah. If we do integrate our verge um, in our landscape thinking, then we can extend our real estate as well. Mm, it looks yes. like our yard is much bigger. Um, yeah. But there are things we need to think about if we're looking at the verge area, um, looking at your local shire guidelines. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and that can vary, can't it? It can, yeah, they do vary a little bit, but generally they're happy for plants to be under seven, you know, usually under half a metre, 50 centimetres, yeah. or under 70 centimetres, depending on where you are. And that's not talking about the street tree, that's just looking at the understory yeah. plantings and no spiky, prickly things and making sure that pedestrians can step safely off, off the, the road onto the verge yeah mm. yeah onto the verge there so lots of lots of options there but i like that idea of extending the landscape absolutely <laughs> and i i know with our area uh, another factor was you couldn't have uh materials or freestanding like rocks or uh, 
you know, yeah, trip no hazards, hazards and right. yeah. and the verge had to be kept one metre from the road. So yeah, that had to be, you know, that could yeah. be mulch or, well, it could be mulch, really nothing else. Or a, a ground cover, sorry for the croak, a ground mm. cover that doesn't trip people up, so a very, very flat ground cover that can mm. be walked on in the way that we can with lawn as well. Mm. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a strip. You know, we can get a bit creative with that, having that one metre spacing for the pedestrian yeah. to yeah. step onto. So I know in my yeah. case we've got people parking there, so I, I just make that first metre, that's mulch, and then my garden or plantings beyond go beyond that. Nice. Yeah. My verge is different to most people's. <laughs> but you're a, it, again, other... it's property. Yeah. You know, yes. in a suburban situation, it's a different scenario. But the council's yeah. regulations are the same in Coburn. Mm. So if that was in suburbia, I you believe would the restriction have have... would be the yeah. same. Okay. Mm. Yeah, understood. Good to check with your local shire and what their guidelines are. And most local shires are really encouraging of of residents planting out um, native plants and often do a plant for resident program where they give free tube stock um, yeah. to get gardens started um, for verge areas. So worth checking in with that. And um, the plants for residents programs are very, very popular and uh, they run out of plants very quickly. So you want to be in the know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, the other big consideration, so lawn's an important one to, to think about and to you know work out how much is actually required, what's going to be used and where. And when we talk about that, that play aspect, it's not as if we send our little ones out to the edge of the road um, mm. to play, not no. in this day and age anyway. Correct. The other big... <laughs> the other big consideration is uh, is a tree. When we're selecting the planet a uh, palette, what what is um, what tree will you choose? Um, Say, Ray, I wonder have you got some, have you got some favourite trees? Well, <laughs> yes, and I can't just do one, Lisa. And because we're talking about natives, I'm going to stick to the program on that. My okay, favourite right. tree yep. on our property that I would look you know want to look after is the eucalyptus maculata and it's the biggest tree on our property a spotted gum i've photographed eagles up there the rainbow bee eaters have roosted in there overnight and it's just oh it's got the most beautiful trunk that changes through the year and it's huge magnificent that's a real guardian of your garden isn't it oh absolutely but my my next favourite and one that I probably use more often, as Ray will know, is the eucalyptus cinerea and that's the argyle apple or yep. silver dollar. And I often um, cut it back and the new growth is just shooting out now. So I've clipped a basket full and brought it in today. Oh, how magnificent. They mm. look so good in a vase, don't they? they yeah, sure they do. do. I love it. So for me, <laughs> my sorry about my voice. Um, for me, I have three beautiful silver birches, which I am in love with. Uh, and they, they went down into the ground about 18 months ago and they're doing fabulously well. I have an acacia fettuccine, oh, yes. which was sitting in a pot for many years and I popped it into the ground. And in the last 18 months, it's quadrupled its canopy. It's just so happy. But of course, with the acacia, I do know it has a, 
a limited lifespan. So that that concerns me somewhat. Um, but that's absolutely one of my faves. And I have a silver princess as well. Mm. And that oh. is, an, you know, so that, again, that's another favourite. <laughs> I can't separate them all. Uh, and, of course, I have or did have um, a crepe myrtle. I have trouble with one and I'm going to replace it with a new crepe myrtle. But I do love the crepe myrtles in the garden as well. I think they're a fabulous tree. What's your favourite, Lisa? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's like choosing children. You can't know. favourite. Well, give me top three. <laughs> and it, it depends on day to day, actually. Exactly. Today, um, now. <laughs> yes, right now, right now, outside, I've got a real random selection. I'm looking at a curry leaf tree, yes. which we adore. We use that in our cooking. It's, it's a more of a, a shrub slash mung tree. Yeah. Um, so good for small spaces, actually. And uh, my husband makes the most amazing curry um, dal. And oh, I love dal. Um, stems of that each each time. Um, I've got a frangipani that I rescued um, from a cutting that's flowering in my outside my study window right now. And just around the corner, we've got um, we've just planted a lime green coloured agonis ah. um, willow peppermints. So it's um, eclectic, but I and I I love yeah. I love all trees. Yeah. I can see Jack around around. Yeah. Just, just love them all. <laughs> so for our listeners, if they're planning, yeah, they've got to really drill down on that, don't they, of the tree yeah. selection because that's a big one yeah. in your garden. Oh, it's so important because and choosing a tree that's proportionate to the space is really, yeah. really key and the space that you've got and also making sure that they're an appropriate space away from buildings, leech drains and so on and, and we really could fill a whole on that alone talking yeah. about trees yeah. and and the benefits of trees and I, I I do think that every every garden has room for a tree or a tree like plant um, they they give us so much everything from from their shade um, pollution um, pollution filtering, air conditioning, their benefits to human health and well-being is um, hugely documented. Um, they, In the garden context, they do provide microclimate and they're the starting point, I think, for your, your garden planning. Um, yeah. So, there's, yeah, and there's lots to choose from and we really could talk a lot about all the benefits um, just looking out onto, onto nature. Um, helps people's mood, well-being, health, um, hit their recovery time if they're in, if they're recovering from from surgery or they're in hospital. Looking yes. at the garden, yes, uh, makes a big difference there too. Yes, so I've I've experienced that myself, yeah. Lisa, and I cannot yeah. um, express how important it came to me to be able to. You're in bed, you know, you're recovering from something and you can look out your window and see movement and colour. And I used to stare at it for hours and it was so therapeutic. Yeah, uh, totally, totally relate to that. And I'm, as I'm sure many, many people do, uh, there's so many angles and and important uh, reasons uh, for gardening and uh, for our well-being. Yeah. Can I actually... Um, yeah. Go to a quick sponsor break, Lisa, and we will can finish our chat with you off on the other side. Is that all right? Are you able to? Sounds great. All yeah, right. Back, back yeah. in a moment, love. Radio. And you're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening, and we have Lisa Passmore online with us. 
from Inspired by Nature. And we are currently talking about selecting the palette for your garden if you happen to be thinking about redesigning uh, your garden or designing for the first time. And we've been covering off some very key points. Lisa, are you still there, love? I'm here. Okay. Yes. Thank you for thank you for allowing us to clear a bracket. Appreciate that. So, Lisa, during the week, Tim has sent us in photos of his garden, and he he called us last week, uh, looking for help. Now, you've kindly uh, done a little bit of work for this, and this is a great example of selecting the palette. So, tell us uh, where you're up to with this. Yeah, so it is a great example. Um, when we're talking about plant selection, it really depends on the theme that you're exploring. And um, Tim and Lynn have sent in some some great photos and they've even done some measurements as well. But we don't know what theme they like. So my suggestions for them are, are based on the information we've been given, which is that it's south-facing, the, the front of the house, yeah. um, receiving morning sun, um, Tim has said, uh, Tim and Lynn have said they'd like a hedge, but they confess they're not gardeners. But they did mention they wanted flowering shrubs and they mentioned they wanted a purple-red foliage ground cover. So what I'm suggesting for them is a diversity of plant species, um, looking at water-wise plants that will flower and grow well in this location. What I'm suggesting is rather than a formalised hedge, which if it, you know, misses a pruning or if a plant dies it looks a bit like a missing tooth yeah exactly um, yeah so um, i'm going to suggest an informal planting arrangement but using a plant um, the bakia um, bakia vagata miniature which is a really lovely dome-shaped shrub naturally dense and rounded in its form doesn't need clipping or pruning it can be trimmed but it doesn't need it mm. and it's got beautiful small white flowers in summertime and I'm suggesting along with that some some variegated flax lily around the post box and putting in a paver there to, to access the mail yeah. um, for a purple foliage ground cover I'm suggesting the Altanansera little ruby um, which is water wise not specifically Australian but a water wise um, beautiful purple accent foliage yeah it's a total a total winner yes it's great isn't it yeah. and grows well from cuttings too it does <laughs> and um, Westringia lilac and lace yes um, towards the front of the house um, and that's a lovely mauve flowering plant with a beautiful foliage as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, and then to finish it off, some native Daphne. This is the um, got beautiful fragrant foliage. Um, it's a philotheca, philotheca flower girl. And it's also, I've just put some in my garden um, earlier in the year as well because it's wonderful in, a, in an arrangement. Um, the flowers oh. and the foliage smell amazing. Um, if Tim and Lynn wanted more colour and more bird attracting, then I'd switch the Dianella for some kangaroo ball yeah. and potentially switch the bakia for some native fuchsia, which is the Coria, um, which really brings the birds in. So 
couple of ideas there and we can send that through to Tim and Lynn. But it's a bit of a challenge designing without meeting someone. Yes, of course. You've done an amazing job above and beyond. They're very lucky listeners to have this little plan. As, as an example. So, Tim and Lynn, I will send this plan uh, to you later today uh, and you can have a look at it. But those those plant selections, yes. Uh, the tick from me, Lisa, the Bakia Vegata is just one of my favourites. You can't go past the little ruby. Uh, so... And these the lilac and lace is also mm. stunning as well. I love the variegated foliage and the, they're bulletproof. And that's yeah. the, you know Tim said to us that he wasn't a gardener, and so these are plants that have been chosen that once planted will virtually look after uh, themselves. Yeah, most mm. important. Yes, very easy care. Yes, so I'm mindful that we're really just skimming the surface here, aren't we, talking about the topic of garden design. Um, what we can't easily cover on the radio is the principles of garden design, the elements of garden design. All we can do here really is sort of wet the palette and hopefully inspire people to delve a little deeper. Um, I do run a four-week garden design course at home base. We've got one coming up, I think, in May, yeah. um, where we do delve deeper into these topics and we've got great you know, the opportunity of showing visuals to explain those concepts. And there is, of course, an excellent horticulture and landscape design course at TAFE. Um, and I'd love to say a hello, shout out to the students at Murdoch TAFE, where I teach. Yes. Uh, I know some of you are listening. Oh, great. Um, yeah. So, so there's opportunities um, there if people would like to take this one step further or certainly at the four-week garden design course that you do sounds fantastic. And for those a little more serious, they can come along to one of your TAFE courses and learn yeah. even more. Yeah, yeah, sounds absolutely wonderful. How do people get in contact with you that way? Just Can they go to your website? Um, so, uh, yes, I do have a website. If they're interested in the home-based courses, then I'd go straight to home-based home base, websites yeah. um, and the TAFE courses straight to the TAFE website. There's lots of information there. And you know, how good would it be to have... Oh, dear. Sorry. Oh, I know. We're, we're shocking, aren't we, this we'll morning? T- I'll take over from you for a minute if you want to catch your breath, Linda. <laughs> yeah. What, what I was going to say um, to Tim is that you know, we've chosen plants that are Western Australian natives, but if that's not your style, or actually one of the reasons I would go for Western Australian natives mm. is because there's a lot of places right now to get inspiration. Coming up next weekend is the Open Garden, uh, Robin Linders, and it is Maraginia, a large rambling garden and wildlife-friendly art and display sale, lawn areas for picnics, bird nest boxes and fun support Malaga Wildlife Rescue. So this would be one place you could go and have a look at a native style garden. And get some ideas. And there's also the Northern District's Wildflower Society plant sale is on today from 9 to 2 p.m. at Lansdale Farm, which is on the corner of Evandale and um, Evandale Road in Darch. And Northern District's uh, Orchid Show. Oh, hang on, I'm getting confused here. Um, a pace. We'll be talking to them later, and they've got a sale coming up. So, lots of wildflower-related sales and events events going on. Oh, it's such a great time to get excited about 
plants and planting, isn't it? It's just brilliant. Sure it's is. always a good time, Lisa. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. All right. Well, we, we have held you from your weekend long enough. You've been absolutely amazing. Thank you very, very much. And uh, as I said, if, if listeners are interested in learning a little more, delving a little deeper, they can go to Homebase and find you there. Your next course comes up in May. Or for those that are even uh, more keen, I, I guess is the word, you do a landscape design mm. course at Murdoch TAFE. Yeah, that's. I'm excited about the idea of more people creating beautiful landscapes around Perth. How good would that be? Yeah, exactly. Put Perth on the map. That's our mission. Absolutely. Thanks, All right, love. Oh, thanks so much, Lisa. You've been great. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You okay. too. Cheers Bye. for that. Yeah. Bye. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening this morning. You're with Ray and Faye. We were just chatting. Prior to our sponsor break to Lisa Passmore from Inspired by Nature, I hope that you gleaned some something worthwhile there. I'm sure you did. We're heading straight out to Menorah. Diana, thank you for waiting. Oh, thank you. I just want to know, I've got a courtyard out the back of my little villa. It's nine foot wide by ten foot long, and it gets the full hot sun. Mm. Uh, and I wondered... Uh, I don't want to do this because I'm in a village. Could I put in a lemon tree? Well, you you certainly could. Um, there are there are a variety of lemon trees available. In fact, one of the smallest ones is lots of lemons, which is perfect in a pot. Uh, you you could keep it in a pot if you wanted to, uh, but citrus would be okay. Yes, well, because I don't think they've got a big root system, have they? Not particularly. They have a shallow root system, and some yeah. of them will grow quite tall. Uh, maybe get an advanced one. Uh, well, they would yeah. certainly do well in full sun if they get right. get enough water. I was going to put in a eucalyptus, but I thought um, they might just get too big. Well, there are some small eucalypts. Yeah. It was only a couple of weeks ago Claire Palmer was talking about um, eucalypts for small gardens. Yeah. So you could go back and have a listen to the podcast on that one. Yeah. And with the lemon, if I decide on a lemon, uh, does it matter what sort? I, are there different varieties or is it, I just ask in Bunnings or somewhere for a large lemon tree? Yes, or you could go to one of the specialist nurseries, Um Dawson's or Xantheria. Um, oh. there, there's a range of nurseries, Waldex, and yep. ask ask them what's what's available is probably one of the key things. I mean, now's citrus time. Mm. Uh, yeah. They're all starting to come into fruit. The fruit's starting to ripen. So great season for citrus. And at the Perth Garden Festival in October, they'll have plants for sale. Uh, Taswan Trees is another place that specialises in fruit trees. Yeah. Wandilla Nursery, Guildford Garden okay. Centre. Right, oh, I've been there. I went there, um, but they didn't have what I wanted. Um, if I decided to get one that grows to about, say, seven foot tall, six foot tall. Easy, um, yes. In a pot or will I lift up the pavers and put it underneath in the ground? Well, if... Tall. If you, well, whatever's going to be easiest for you. Uh, a pot would be much easier, but okay. it'd have to be a very big one, wouldn't it? And, yeah, yes. But that that's all possible. 
Oh, good. Because once it's in, um, I won't be able to move it because uh, I won't be able to dig that deep. So I, I can put it in a large pot. You can, yes. Or you All could right. get an advanced one in. Um, like there's Allenby B Tree Farm, Garden Solutions. Uh, oh, good. There, there's a lot of places out there that would be able to help you with that, I'd say. Oh, look, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, You're good welcome. on you, Diana. Take care. Okay. Bye. Okay. We'll be heading to the news at nine o'clock. We're in Mundaring. Good morning, Margaret. How are you? Oh, good morning. Yes, I'm um, talking earlier with Lisa about WA local plants. Yeah. Including natives. So obviously, um, is there somewhere that we can look to find out what the true local WA plants are? Yes. I'm not talking about natives. I'm talking, you'd go to Xantharia to find out about the natives. But Well, Margaret, you could contact your council. They would have a list of endemic species. Oh, right. The Wildflower Society, who have a plant sale on today, uh, I'll, I'll read that information again. The Northern District's Wildflower Society plant sale is on today, um, 9 to 2 p.m., and they are on the corner of Evandale Road in Darch, and they have a huge variety. Now, the Wildflower Society provide information on local West Australian natives, so they could certainly help you out. And our next guest interview is Renee Hiller, and she'll be talking about uh, Western Australian native plants and the workshops and tours that are on at A Pace Nursery, which is on next weekend. All right. So is there a different category? Besides WA natives, Is there? would there be a different category of WA local plants? Well, there there is. To me, it starts with your local plants. Yes, good. good. Endemic species to Mundaring area, which uh, can overlap, but it can also be different to, say, my area in Jandicott. Cool. And then you've got uh, species that are, are more broad across southwest Western Australia. Oh, it's yeah, it's a huge uh, topic, Margaret. Oh, of course, of course. But it's fine. I'm just wondering if there's a website. But anyway, I shall start with the council and see where I go from there. And there are brochures that are often available at these sorts of groups about different different areas, the Swan Coastal Plain and plants that suit them. Xantharia have got those brochures too, I'm pretty oh, sure. Good. And check Thank their website as well. They'll have more information. Thank you so much. But Lisa's information is amazing. Thank uh, you so she's much. She's outstanding, isn't she, Margaret? Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're enjoying our little segments each week with her. She's yeah. uh, excellent. That, that's good. Thank you so much, girls. Must go to the news. Okay. Thank you. Cheers Thanks, for that. Bye. And, and speaking of the news, we're going straight there. Keith from Mandra, stay with us. We will be back with you soon. Right now it's 18.2 degrees. The humidity is sitting on 58%. We're heading for a sunny maximum of 28. And tomorrow a sunny maximum of 29. And for Monday it will be 28. A late shower or two is forecast. Okay, straight back out to the lines. Keith, thanks for waiting. Are you there, Keith? Yes, here. Yes, hello. 
How are you? Very good. How can we help you? Well, I've been picking up small mandarins that are dropping off my tree, and I've noticed there's a white, gooey, spasmodic, patchy, bloody growth on the skin. Mm. I'm wondering what sort of pest that may be. A white growth on the skin? Mm, yeah, is it... it's just like a white goo that's sticking to the skin, but it's just patchy over quite a bit. It was on last year on a few of them as well, and I just picked them off the tree, but it's, there's more there this year. Oh, that's got me a bit... Uh, intrigued. In, intrigued, yes. Are you able to send us a photo, please, Keith? Yeah, I can do that. Okay. It's to gardening at Curtin F... What is it, right? C- C- yeah, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Yeah, gardening, curtainfm. I'll just write that down. Yeah, no, I can do that. And Curtin is spelt C-U-R-T-I-N. All right. If you can send that through... That will help. ...straight away, we can answer before the end of the show. Okay, thank you. Thanks, okay. Keith. Cheers for that. And Gail phoned in from Malalu and recommends Multigard for Slaters. <laughs> and funnily enough, da-da! Da-da! Yeah, we actually... Another email. Yeah. Thanks to Dave. Uh, special orders team at Bunnings has uh, sent through the the same... Information. information, multi-guard, snail and snug killer. Another thing you can do is put beer traps around. Yeah. Just in case it may or may not be slaters. Mm, if be it's snails. Slugs and snails. Go they together. They could be hiding. Mm-hmm. And you put out a, a slug trap, just a small saucer, uh, shallow, buried the surface of the soil and they come in and they, they drown in that. That will at least tell you what is what is there eating the, the pansies. Exactly. Mm. Uh, now, an email has come in from Jana of Jane Brooke. She said, please tell me what's wrong with my Sir Walter lawn. I haven't cut it in eight weeks, but it looks like an animal has come through during the night and trimmed it. The, Army worm. Oh, could well be. I'm telling could, you, girl. Yeah, I know. It looks like... A threadbare carpet. That's what it where is. Where they've chewed the surface. That's what they did to mine. On... I can tell you without even looking, just what, what you're describing. Well, I like to be sure, Ray. So, mm-hmm. Janet, what I want you to do is get a big bucket of really soapy water yep. and pour it onto a patch of the lawn and sit there for 10 minutes Yep. with your cup of tea and see if anything comes up. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's that's the first step. Let's be sure that it is that uh, and that it's not fungal and the lawn is dying back. Because yeah. we, do, we don't want to jump yeah. to conclusions, Ray, just in oh, case no, there I'm, is something else that, going on that's, there. That's my educated guess, mm. but let's see what comes up, if mm. anything. Yeah. But I, 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 it, it, I know. It I know. reads like exactly what I, I know. Had. All right, we've got... Tom on the line, would you like to have a chat with him? Yes, please. Okay, good morning. Tom, how are you? Uh, good, thank you. I have a couple of problems. We've just uh, been in a uh, unit yep. and we've planted a dwarf mandarin in a, a pot, which is the pot's about six, seven hundred in diameter, so it's a big pot, and it got a disease uh, all all the branches and that became knotty and that, and they said it was some sort of wasp. Oh, the citrus gall wasp. And we've cut it all back, and it's been a year now, and we've had it in for about 20 months, but it's only 12 months ago that it got this disease, and we've... uh, It doesn't get any 
blossoms or anything. It's green still. Good, good. And it, the leaves curl. Some of the leaves are curly, but it's still green, and we fertiliser it lightly. But uh, it doesn't get any blossoms on it at all. Mm. Okay, so it's it would have missed the the cycle for this season. The mandarin trees are fruiting now. So is there any more sign of your your stem swelling, Tom? No, no. no? Good, I good. Checked it thoroughly. Okay, good. And the growth is good. Keep up your fertilising uh, probably a couple of times a year with a controlled release fertiliser. And I would say next year continue to monitor it, monitor it for the gall wasps. Uh, there's a good chance you'll get... M- flowers start to come so you're just looking after you the health of your tree now as far as the leaf curling you can inspect them and look for squiggly lines in the leaf now that could be the citrus leaf miner and what i would do is just remove remove those leaves unless they're um, taking over the whole tree but generally the trees do recover with that so it's a little moth that lays an egg in between the leaf blade, hatches out as a little caterpillar that works its way through the leaf and hatches out as a moth. Okay, I can cut that back. Yes. Uh, the second one is we bought uh, two camellia bushes from a nursery down south and we've had them in for two years in the new residence and this, they're more like a skeleton. There's very little growth on the branches and that and we've it gets plenty of water. We fertilise them, but they don't seem to be doing too well. Mm. Uh, now would be the time they would be flowering, but if they don't have a lot of leaves, that why they haven't got leaves? Have they have they had enough um, protection from strong sun, and have they had enough water over the summer? Yeah, they get plenty of water, and they're in a sort of in a protected area just uh, near a brick wall so they're sheltered and they only get full morning sun. They sound like they've gone backwards so I wonder if something's eaten the leaves or they've dropped their leaves because their root system's not happy. Uh, Probably they've dropped their leaves I think. Mm. As to why I'd be checking the root zone, are they too wet? How did you prepare the soil? Have you fertilised it? Have their roots burnt? Like we need to work out why, why they don't, why they're not healthy. Okay, what's the best way to do that? Right. Do I maybe fertilise dig- them or no? We don't fertilise sick plants. What we we first need to do is um, check that the root zone is okay. So even though they've had plenty of water, I would check your your retic system. I would dig down. Uh, and let's have a look at what the soil's like. If it's muddy and boggy, then it's probably too wet and potentially rotting. Uh, or it's too dry, the water's not getting there. And that might mean adding a wetting agent, using seaweed products, uh, topping it with a mulch, making sure that the mulch is back from the stem and it hasn't got collar rot. Right, okay then. So that that's the first task. You you need to check that root zone. Okay, I'll get that done this weekend. Okay. Thank you. All right, and let us know how you get on. I will do. Thanks very okay. much. Thanks, Tom. Cheers for that. Bye.
And our second interview for the day, we have Renee Hiller online. Now, Renee is a horticulturalist at Apace Nursery. We're talking about the up-and-coming Environmental Day. Hi, how are you going, Renee? You're with Ray and Faye. Hello. Good, Good morning. morning. How are you, ladies? Great. Isn't this great wildflower weather? Oh, it's just stunning. It's very inspiring weather, this weather. Yes, yes. Makes us want to get out there and, and plant or learn. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And we've got lots of beautiful things that we can help with there. So you've got Should an... I tell you about... Uh, yes, yes. An open day. Oh, very good. Well, I'll, I'll hand over to you, Renee, and you can tell us all about it. Okay, so... What we want to tell you about today is that basically this time next week in North Fremantle at a pace, we're having a mental open day and we'll be showcasing a premium selection of our incredible local native plants. We'll have a huge marketplace so people can come and have a look at all the beautiful local plants that grow in our area that we're so um, so lucky to have. Uh, and we'll be doing having talks. We've got little workshops. We've got lots of local community groups. It's just going to be a fabulous day. Now, Margaret, one of our callers from Mundaring, asked the question about local species. And I was sort of mm. trying to explain what a, what a big topic that is. So she's in Mundaring. How might that be different to, say, Fremantle? And, and is okay. there an overlap with plants? Yes. So great question. Um, and how we can help with that, especially at a pace, is on our website, which is a pacewa.org.au. People can actually go into the website, select the suburb selector. So she can put in Mundaring, you can put in Hilton, Fremantle, wherever you live, and that will bring up a whole list of the local native plants that do grow in your area. Oh, how fabulous um, is then, that? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And there is a lot of overlap. So we do have a few different soil types in Perth um, and definitely there's a difference from being up in the hills to down on the sand plain. But, yeah, we can definitely help out with that and um, show you everything that that would naturally grow in your area. And then you can see that the hundreds of species that we actually grow and will be available at a pace. You can come down and have a look. And what are the workshops and do people have to book in for them? Um, No, just come along on the day. So we've got a few workshops happening. We have um, one of our specialists, Richard, who's doing a native verge workshop. Mm. We've also got a um, community garden tour. Then we've got another workshop on native plant propagation, which I think might help one of your callers who was on a few weeks ago about um, some cuttings that they were wondering about doing. Yes, Gorevillias, I think um, it was. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And we've got a tour of our nursery. We've got a um, floral display being done by um, one of our florists and horticulturalists on staff. There's just so much uh, for everyone on the day. We've also got WA Wildlife coming, North Fremantle Social Farm, Cottesloe Coast Care, Circle. We've got the Frogman, Johnny Perfumo, Karak, oh, wow. Rescue. It's just going to be awesome. Huge. Okay, so this is on the 30th of April. It's open from 9am to Mm 1pm and you're at 1 Johanna Street, North Fremantle. That's right, and it's a beautiful spot. We're right down the river. Everyone will come down and love it. Come in, have a look around, buy some gorgeous plants, have a walk around the river. We're totally spoiled. We're in one of the most beautiful spots of Perth. Now, Renee, Lisa was mentioning about a council subsidy scheme that's available for native plants. Do you know anything about it? 
Yes, so that's a um, very successful uh, month of May that we've been running for over 13, 15 years. And that's where local councils subsidise their ratepayers to come and get half-priced local native plants. So it's all about getting biodiversity into the suburbs um, and the councils are fully supportive of that. We've got nine local councils around um, Perth that uh, have signed up to the scheme and then we've got two extras that we're going out to do separately where we're doing a market for each of those. So um, people come in in the month of May, so that starts on Monday the 2nd of May and goes basically um, throughout May and people come in, they show us their proof of um, address. So oh. say if you're from Fremantle, you show us your licence or something like your um, car rego and then that will allow you to go and get a certain number of subsidised plants. The thing to note with that is that each council basically gives us a pot of money that they will um, allocate to their residents and they also allocate how many plants each resident can get. So that can vary through the different council areas and the and the subsidy will go for as long as that pot of money runs. So there's some councils where people are really, all the residents are totally onto it and they'll come in and um, make the most of it in the first two weeks and then other councils where maybe other people aren't as quite as well aware of it and they will continue running through the whole of May. The thing to note is that we're open for everyone to come in all through May. It doesn't matter whether you're part of the subsidy scheme or not, you can come in. We've got a beautiful selection of plants mm. and we're also open on Sunday mornings, the first three Sundays of May, um, for people to come in and see all the beautiful things we have. Okay. Are they all tube stock or do you have other sizes of plants? We have tube stock. We've got some slightly bigger 140 mil pots and we've got some olive pots, which are kind of like a, a bigger tree tube for, with some beautiful trees in it. Most of our stock is tree tube. Okay. Now, yeah. do you recycle pots or are you after any pots? Only our own ones. So what we do is we get back our own pots and trays and then with the help of the Cerebral Palsy Foundation, we, um, who are some volunteers that have been with us for 25 years, they help us clean all our pots. So they um, empty out any of the excess soil, stack them all up, and then we basically cook all our pots. So we sterilise them all and reuse them that way. We can Fantastic. only reuse our own ones. Okay. Um, yeah, people can take them away, plant them, and then come and drop them back off, get some more plants, or leave them at our gate. That's fine. But, yeah, it really is just our own ones. Okay. okay. So if uh, our listeners would like to find out even more, APACE, that's spelled A-P-A-C-E, so it's apacewa.org.au, and that's next Saturday, the 30th of April. Next Saturday. That's 9 a.m. Yeah. 9 to 1 p.m., 1 Johanna Street, North Fremantle. Encourage everyone to get along, wowee. Exciting mm, times and very topical okay. because we've yeah. been talking about wildflower gardens and planting up right now and it's the perfect time to get them in the ground isn't it it definitely is and we've got some beautiful everlastings for sale oh. and seeds for sale so come down we've got big, it all available big event sale. big event and we will touch on it again for you next saturday morning as well just to remind everybody renee fabulous go well thank you for the information this morning we appreciate it very much you take care okay thanks lady. cheers right, cheers for bye. that all right, let me see. We do have to have a little break. Carol, please stay with us. We will be back shortly. 
Thank you for your company this morning. It's 23 minutes after nine. Coming up at 10am, Jim Crinan with the classic 70s. Straight out to the lines. We're in a Subiaco. Carol, hi. Hello, how are you? We're well. Very good, thanks, Carol. That's good. I'm wanting to um, take cutting some passion fruit and blueberry, sunshine blue, I think that one's called. Do they need to be grafted or can I just put Clonex on them and, and they'll grow? No, they they don't need to be grafted. Um, do you know what variety of passion fruit it is? I've tried to find the label and I can't. I think that's Sunshine as well. Oh, okay. Sunshine Special and Sunshine Blow. Oh, very good. That's That's such a coincidence, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I thought that at the time to have sunshine on the on the label. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, so with your passion fruit, I think the best time to take cuttings would be in springtime when it's warm. But nevertheless, uh, now you you could certainly try it. And yes. with your blueberries, uh, is it one that is deciduous? No. Okay. The leaves get a bit brown, but that could be the heat. Right, okay. But they're not deciduous, yeah. And has it fruited or is it fruiting now? Not at the moment, but it, it hasn't fruited. I think I might, it might be better off in the ground. It's in a pot. Mm. I think it might be better to put in the ground. Well, and, one thing um, about blueberries is they like an acidic soil. So the benefit of growing in a pot, uh, well, two things. One is you can give it the soil that they want. And two is that you can actually move the pot around. They do need sunshine to flower, but probably not full sun. Uh, and I'm not sure about the best time to to grow them from cuttings but I suspect like with most plants spring would be the time because if you take a cutting now and and we get into the cold wet weather they just sit there and they're more prone to rot so generally springtime but hey it's no you know it's no drama to take cuttings now and if they don't work sometimes they just do yes Good. Thank you very much for your help. It's you... been a fantastic program. Thank you, Carol. I love listening to it every week. Thanks, Carol. Uh, lots of notes. <laughs> very and good. Enough. Carol, next time you ring, love, can I yes. we ask you to turn your radio off in the background? It helps. All oh, right. No Will worries, do. love. Sorry okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And we're heading to Maylands, talking to Lois. Good morning. Hi, Good morning. Lois. Hi, thank you. Uh, yeah, as the previous caller said, great opportunity. Anyway, I've got some kangaroo paws. They've done their that sort of hybrid variety. Their flower stalks were about a metre high. They've grown really well, and I'm wondering about splitting them. Yes, okay. Um, now would probably be a good time. I'm, like, deadheading all my kangaroo paws and cutting them down. They'll have another flush, so you could certainly do them now. Okay, so um, what are some hints and tips for that? Should I, I should cut them down, should I? Yes, then... well, you you certainly deadhead them. So how big yes. is your plant? Well, it's probably um, about 60 centimetres in width. Right. Like the, yeah, the plant yep. ball. Yep, yep. So dig that up 
you can trim them down with uh, hedge clippers down to or well, probably about what's that Ray? 15 centimeters mm, and nice. then with a shovel divide them, a shovel or a sharp knife divide them up and you'd get I reckon you'd get at least four plants out of that yeah yep. five go yep. for five especially <laughs> if you're putting them back into the garden because we do odd numbers mm. uh, and then yes and you could also trim up the roots and put them into some well-prepared soil clay and compost if you're improving sand and they will just come away quite easily. Perfect time to do it. Yep. All right. Wonderful. All right. Thank you very much. Enjoy. What colour are they, Lois? Um, I had a variety of colours. So I had I think some red ones. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure now. Okay. But some yellowy ones, I think, and ready pinky ones. Lovely. Pretty. pretty. Yep. Go, yep. go well, Lois. Thank you for your call. Thank you. Cheers Bye. Bye. Okay, now we've got more homework. And we have received the photo of the fallen citrus with white, yes. oozy, fluffy stuff on it, and it looks suspiciously like merely bug to me. Um, so I guess this is probably more susceptible in a tree that is clustered and there's mm. not a lot of airflow. There's a bit of merely bug out there mm. at the moment and scale. Yes, around. yes. So remembering that, they're moved around by ants. So you mm. need to deal with ants and be mindful of the fact that you're dealing with an edible tree. So you don't want to use anything that's harmful and is going to affect your edible fruit. So clean up all the, the fallen fruit. Get in there and remove as much of the infestation as you can. I would clean up the inside of the citrus because possibly there's not a lot of airflow. There might be some dead, dying, diseased sticky wood in the centre. So open it up. Now would be a good time to do it. Uh, it's not going to suffer from sunburn. And just give your tree a general tidy up. As far as if you're going to spray it, um, minimising the infestation and probably an eco oil. Eco oil, um, which is an organic product and that will be safe for your fruit and you will probably want to monitor it and perhaps even do a follow-up spray. Okay, another one here from Linda in San Remo and she has a 15-year-old fig tree that has prolific fruit but they get to three-quarter size and then rot. Mm. Every fruit slowly rots. We cut it back, fertilised, have put out fruit fly traps, sprayed for mould, wonderful growth, uh, perfect, no disease. Any ideas? Well, she's tried watering more and tried watering less with no success. I've not come across fig figs that rot. Now, unless they have matured on the tree and then birds got them, because if, if they're rotting... Um, is it that the fruit has just been left there too long? If the fruit is small, mm. because she says they've got to three-quarter size, um, no, it's just a bit don't intrigued. think it's insect damage. Well, what's the, a, what's a little critter that gets inside there in figs? 
I, I can't think of anything right. I mm. mean, there is a wasp mm. that fertilizes it. Mm. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. No, that's not a pest wasp. Mm. Um, but if the fruit is only getting to three quarters size and then stop growing, mm. but is that like the size of it maturing, maturing and then hanging there and rotting? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really a bit confused about this one, Linda. Maybe send me a photo. Um, if the fruit is not fully developing, then it, it could be a lack of water. Mm. I mean, they grow without being fertilised. Yeah. Um, birds sometimes come in and peck them and then yeah. the fruit is spoiled and then it rots, especially mm. if it's getting overhead watering. But I, I can't think of anything that would be causing that. It sounds like it's just run out of energy. But certainly... Come winter time, when it loses all its leaves, give it a very hard cutback. Rejuvenate. Feed it in spring. Give it a mulch. Water it well in summer. Mm. And ho- hopefully, if it's factors. a good quality fruit tree, either that or it's a dud a tree. Dud tree. Can happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Danny of Subi rang in and she's saying that she puts her soapy washing water on her citrus trees, lemon and orange, and this seems to have cleared all the bugs, scale the lot. Well, that will do it. A soapy spray. Easy peasy. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Mm. 94841927. Now, coming up in a couple of weeks' time... What, what has happened? Because of the Perth Garden Festival has been postponed to October, there are a lot of exhibitors that were getting ready for the garden show, which should have been on about now or next week. It should have been on, actually. And there's all these exhibitors out there that have prepared stock and, and grown uh, their stock ready for the Perth Garden Festival, of course, which has now been postponed to October. Now, one of these uh, people is Fickle Prickles, which a lot of people will know them uh, fabulous uh, succulents uh, that they they offer. Uh, I think whenever I see fickle prickles store, there's just like thousands of people hovering around. It's just their displays are amazing, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they're inspiring. Very much so. Now they're going to have a pop up, which I can absolutely understand. A pop up shop coming up on Saturday, May seven, and Sunday, May eight, which coincides with Mother's Day. So what a great outing for Mum. It's going to be between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. at the Lidlow Pavilion, which is at the Cannington Showgrounds, uh, and that's at Gate 2 Station Street, Cannington. It's the Mother's Day weekend, and if you'd like to see more, you can go to prickles.com.au. And I was reading there's uh, a cacti and ripsalis, ripsalis, ripsalis. You didn't want anyone <laughs> to know that, did you, Fayakara? And, uh, yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah, so that's... Um, Fickle prickles, and that's coming up on the Mother's Day weekend. So put that in your diary as well. And we've also got coming up on 1st of May, which is obviously just around the corner, the Northern District's Orchid Society. They've got their show coming up on the 1st of May. Now, this is going to be... Actually, I need another... I've got the info here. Have you got it? Go ahead. Yes. Sunday, the 1st of May, Northern District orchid show mm. uh bruce douglas pavilion that's it it's 110 salisbury road in swan view there will be demos zygos zygo cactus on sale display and yeah. talk it's from nine to three and entry includes 
complimentary tea and coffee. Yeah, and it's. I think there's been a lot of pent-up demand for a decent orchid <laughs> show, don't you think? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, they're so colourful and bright, aren't they? And I think also there's been a lot of cancellations of events and so it's exciting to have something to look forward to and to go to. And I know that's just hugely popular. Okay. Pop that one in your diary as well. And while you're there, wait, there's, but there's more. more. So I'll just run through the ones I talked yeah. about earlier. So today the Northern Districts Wildflower Society plant sale is on at Lansdale Farm, corner of Evandale Road, Dutch. It is from 9 to 2 today and they have a range of wildflowers uh, that have been propagated by the Orchid Society, not the Orchid Society, the Wildflower Society. Now next Saturday and Sunday, Rob and Linda's Open Garden is at 76 Via Vista Drive in Maraginia, a large and rambling garden and wildlife friendly. There will be art on display, a sale, lawn areas for picnics, bird nest boxes. Uh, it opens at 10am and funds support the wildlife, Ma- Malaga Wildlife Rescue. Yeah, lovely. Okay, so there's lots coming up. Mm. Okay, looking forward to that. Have to try and get to some of it at least. Okay, 94841927. What is next? You can talk about what you brought me in this morning. Well, uh, I have Very brought you showy. in the beautiful silver foliage of the uh, eucalyptus cinerea, which is also known as argyle apple, and yeah. it has has another name: silver dollar. Silver dollar, yeah. and of course that's used in floristry. And I think, do you find that when you put it in a vase, it goes limp fairly quickly? No. No? Okay. I think it has a good lifespan. Because an, another idea is to hang it up and dry it yeah. and then use it. Yeah. So it yeah. holds its shape a little better. better. Yeah. Mm. And some... and I've also brought you in a nephrolepis fern that I uh, picked up this week <laughs> and a sneaky little one. When I left here last week, yeah. someone had run through one of the roundabouts at the university and, and damaged the rotten aloe. Yes. I know. And so there was a piece on the ground. So what should I do? Rescue it. That's it. You rescued it. Mm. And, so it's a beautiful uh, burgundy so a piece aloe. <laughs> so we're not raiding the roundabouts at the university. This was actually vandalised, wasn't it? And you've picked up a broken piece. Thank you for as, that. We, as we you shall, do. Yeah, we <laughs> shall give it some love and uh, well done. It's a great time for propagating plants and, and potting on and playing in the garden. I know. I've got so much garden. I need to do. So much. Do you ever get to like, I don't know where to start? <laughs> oh, every day, Ray. It's and do you so know much. what? I go out with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee mm. and I just wander the garden and I try to set myself a, a task. You yeah. know, it might be clear that mulch pile or it might be, gee, I'm tired of watering, hand watering all those pots. Mm. It's time to get them in the ground. And yeah. of course, since we've been talking to Lisa, I'm I'm exploring all these styles of gardens, the silver theme garden and the rainforest or green theme garden. And Eddie's been building me a glass house. Okay. So the pathway to the glass house has got these garden beds that are just looking dishevelled. So I've been in there raking out all the leaves, trimming up the bottle brush. I've got ripsalis hanging out of the trunk. I put a tillandsia that had fallen off a tree branch up there this morning. I've attached 
elk horns that mm. I divided to the trunks, old man's beard hanging around Love everywhere. It. What's going to go into your glass house? How will you use oh, it? Well, Eddie looked at the veranda, which, you know, I wasn't, I was only going to have plants along the back part of the veranda because mm. I like to keep it clear in summer because snakes might come in. Mm. Anyway, the plants are now wrapping around the corner. You can barely walk <laughs> through. I've moved the bromeliads. They're under the other patio now. But things like my alocasias, the, the elephant's ears that don't live well outside. No. I've got a couple of philodendrons in the spare room because that's the best lit room in the house. So they will potentially be able to go out into the glass house. My orchids. Yeah. Uh, so my phalaenopsis orchids. Maybe the mm. cymbidiums will go there. I may be able to grow things that I haven't already got, so I may have mm. to buy some more pretty things, Ray. Uh, oh, oh, okay. And, <laughs> oh, who knows? Uh, okay. All right. Uh, we'll be going to a break shortly. Margaret of Naranda has called in and she has a self-pollinating avocado, how do you say that, fuerte? Fuerte. Fuerte tree with lots of seedlings coming up underneath. And then that's, oh, poor old Bev, she's answering phone calls that she's got messages coming up and there's a little bit of both happening. All right, we'll be back in a moment. We'll be chatting to Cindy of Mindari. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. We're heading to Mindari. We do like to move around on this show. Cindy, good morning. Oh, good morning. Uh, I've, we've got a lemon uh, tree shrub if you like in a pot um, we repotted it last year had loads of lemons and everything uh, we put it in the new pot uh, with lots of proper soil and things like that but it hasn't uh, blossomed yet is it too early to blossom for a lemon I th I think it may have missed the boat this year possibly because it's uh, had its environment changed ah yes so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Is it all in the same space? Uh, yes. Yep. And is it putting on new growth? Oh yes, it's lovely green growth. You okay. know, look luscious. All right. The next thing, Cindy, is depending on what you fed it. If it's got lots of lovely, fresh, lush green growth, has it had fertilizer that's high in nitrogen? as opposed from a fertiliser that is designed for flowering and fruiting plants? I, I, I'm not certain. I have to mm. ask the uh, boss about that. Okay. Well, yes. certainly I would get yes. myself some controlled release fertiliser and yes. you'll see some pots available specifically for citrus. Yes. So follow yes. the instructions on that and that will put okay. you in the right direction. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> now, just one other uh, question. Got some lovely uh, frangipanis uh, in a pot. Um, last year, they were the deep red. Mm. But, uh, this year, they've gone to the most palest pink, almost white. Is there something mm. I'm doing wrong? Or? Mm. I don't know really how that could happen. I wonder if it's a temperature <laughs> uh -huh. thing. Mm. They do, they can vary because of temperature and we did have a lot of humidity. Frangipanis were a little bit all over the place this year. Very late flowering. Late. Mm. Um, yeah, in Mindari, which is that. coastline. So mm. I would um, think that probably it's environmental and 
I don't think you can do much about that. No, no. <laughs> you can't no, change not, their not colour if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just enjoy. But, yeah, the beautiful flowers and everything. Mm. Um, one of our friends, Jupani's, uh, its uh, leaves are turning uh, yellow. That would be a deficiency, wouldn't it? Well, you know, at this time of year, I think it's probably just cold. Yeah, some of mine leaves are starting to drop. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so when okay. when it gets yeah. cold, they're deciduous, so they will start dropping their leaves. And you'll see that with a lot of trees around Perth. If if it was the growing season and mm. they were yellow, yeah. I would think it's hungry. But I think it's just um, yeah, time autumn fall they call it in yes. America. Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay. All right. Enjoy uh, your garden. Fertilizer, special fertilizer, and uh, just wait and see about the frangy pan. Yes. yes. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. You're Thanks, welcome. Cindy. Okay. Bye. 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 And let's go to Yokine Roma. Good morning. Oh, hello. That was Roma, wasn't it? Oh no. Oh, hello. Good yes. morning. No. Hello. Good morning. Yes, Roma speaking. Yes. How can we help you, Roma? Um, I'm inquiring about a lawn my, for my daughter, actually. She's got the most beautiful lawn, but she's got all these mounds of ants. Mm. Ants in the lawn? Yes. And they've got all these mounds all over the lawn. Now, why is that and what can you do for that? <laughs> That's because the rain is coming and ants are going for gold, building their nests. Sure. And mm. they, they're coming up in the paving. You know, for months I haven't seen yes. ants in my paving. Now yes. the sand hills are coming up. They're just, they're getting ready. The higher the mound, the more rain we're going to get. Oh. Mm. So what can you do? What what can you spray them with or what can you do to try and get rid of them? Well, there are products that you can use and I don't have any of the names in the top of my head at the moment, Roma. Uh, but because this is topical, maybe this is something that we could talk about next week, lawn problems, because it is very timely. Okay. Um if you go to a hardware store, there will be a plethora of products available. Right. The other, well, actually what you probably could do, the best thing you could do is to take yes. a sample. So get out there with your sticky tape and a piece of white paper. Yeah. Collect the ants on the sticky tape. Put it on the paper. Put it in the freezer so they die. Okay. Because... Deeper don't like getting live squished ants. No. <laughs> so you send them a sample. They will identify the ant and they can tell you what product works on that ant. Okay. So where would you send that to? Deeperd, D-P-I, or PADIS, P-A-D-I-S, which Hang is P-A-D-I-S. P-A-D-I-S. D-I-S. It stands for Pest and Disease Information Service. Oh, okay, yes. And it's Baron Hay Court in South Perth. Baron Hay Court. Yes. We did do a lot of work on ants. Oh, maybe it was, was it a couple of years ago Probably now, right? Now. Mm. And I think uh, from memory, the, the product that came up 
as recommended was pest expert. Mm. But it does depend on the ant that you've got. It does. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank you for that. And my question was also on uh, frangipanis, the stalks or the, yeah, the stalk, stem, whatever you want to call it of the plant, is all starting to crack. It's got big cracks in it. What can you do for that? Why is that happening? And also, I'm getting die, die back, like rotten bits. Okay. On some stalks, they're actually all brown and dead. Are they in the ground or in a pot? In the ground. They're okay. quite big trees, actually, tall mm. trees. The, oh, the, uh, if they've swollen and shrunk, that could be to do with an, a, an abundance of fertiliser and water. And well, the, they don't get an abundance of fertiliser. They get water, yes, mm. because they're sort of in the middle of the lawn. <clears throat> and I think and they, they do crack with age, so... That but even the young ones are doing that. Some of the younger plants are doing that. Can you send us a photo, Roma? Mm. Not easily. Not easily, no. All right. I'll I'll look into that this week and we will talk about lawn, pests and frangipani trunks next week. Okay. Could, could you uh, spray them now if you wanted to? For what would you be spraying it with? For the cracking in the in the stems, I well, it may not actually be a problem mm. because I have seen older plants that develop cracks and they actually yeah. develop some little roots outside. So you know maybe you, your tree needs a, a tidy up, a prune. Maybe it's getting too big. It's not necessarily a problem okay. unless they're getting too much water. Mm. Anyway, we'll, I will be able to send you a photo, my daughter said. On, oh, excellent. You know, there you all go. right, very me. good. All right, tell well, we'll follow to... that up next week for you. All right, can you give me where to send the uh, photo out? Yeah, to? I'm going to put you back to Bev and she can give you the details, Roma. All right, thank okay. you so much for that. Okay. I love okay. your program. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll send, send Roma back to Bev. I think we'll have a quick break, then we're chatting with Judith and Bob. Radio. Straight back out to the lines you are listening to. Let's talk gardening. Bob, how are you? Bob, are you there? Oh, hi. Yeah, sorry, I didn't realise. I thought there was another lady on before me. Um, look, uh, we've got peppermint trees uh, around the house and they've been devastated. The leaves are getting devastated by a mite or something. Yes. And it's not only our house, it's everywhere in the whole suburb yes and the trees look as though they're basically dying i have used neem oil and uh, pest oil on them and new leaves seem to be coming through but i thought i might vary it with a bit of uh, pyrethrin what do you think uh well it's possible that the damage has already been done i know exactly what you're talking about uh the pest is likely a, a type of thrip Yes. And uh, I've got more information here. They prefer breeding on mature leaves of eucalyptus species and some other myrtaceae, usually not feeding on young leaves and rarely found in flowers. 
both adults and larvae suck out the content of the single cells and the air gets in, giving a silvery appearance. This year, (laughs) this is the third report of the pest. Um, In the previous 15 years, there were perhaps four reports of this species damaging a gonus. Nothing is known about the conditions leading to outbreaks. A lot more quality technical data can be found uh, on a link that's been sent. And this was from the My Pest Guide Reporter app. And I've noticed this around the suburbs at least the last couple of years and on my agonis as well. Yeah. Um, so this year does seem to be particularly bad. They they seem yep. to have sort of gotten further and doing more damage. In the past, I've found just cutting back the plants allows the new growth to come through and the, the cycle seems to have changed. Um, you could use an eco oil or a soap spray. That that would help if the bug is still present. But being a tight a tight knit plant that's often grown in a hedge, you'd have to get under and over the leaves. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I, once again, you know, I revert to minimise the infestation, which is giving it a cut back, and then yep. spray if you want to or just let nature take its course. And in the past I found, you know, these plants are are pretty robust and they tend to come back pretty well anyway. It's a type of thrip, is it? Yes. Or or, or mite or something, What I will do is put this link on the Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay, and I'll put more information there. Okay, thank thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Bye. And let's go to Belmont. We're saying hello to Judith. Good morning. Good morning. I'm having a little problem with my big passion fruit. It's sunshine special. Mm-hmm. It looks so healthy and robust. It had all the new little buds on us. And a couple, about 10 days ago, they started to flower, came out beautifully, was all excited and went down there and um, the plant, the flowers are just covered in ants, absolutely swarming everywhere. Mm. And of course, I wouldn't spray because um, I didn't want to contaminate the, the or, you know, d- damage the bee control. Mm. Um, now, the flowers have not been... I've got two tiny little passion fruit as a result okay and the new flowers are um dropping off drying up and dropping off okay judith i'll I'll stop you there because uh at this time of year any fruit that develop are not likely to mature so honestly i wouldn't i wouldn't worry they're not so likely to um, mature and ripen because we're going into cold weather. So my advice to you would be wait until springtime, trim back your passion fruit, feed it up, start to give it water, get it growing really, really well, and that will kick its cycle into flowering and fruiting over summer. Yeah, the right that, That'll be your, your best results. So don't worry about what the ants are doing. They're after the um, the nectar. The nectar, yeah. Mm. 
so there's nothing I can do to stop the ants. No, and you know what? They're not going to hurt it. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, so in future when the ants come for the nectar, I don't worry about it in the summer? Well, I've I've never had ants be a problem on my passion for it. I know that they will go to it. But see, yeah. at the moment, because rains are coming, they're very active and they're collecting mm. and they're building their nests and they're provisioning it for the rains. Oh, well, that's something because I was just about to go out and start trying to find a really good ant killer. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you do want, take, take a sample and send it off to uh, Deep Herd or to Paddis and get a identification on your ants so you know which ones you're dealing with. Okay. <laughs> Thank okay. you very much. Thanks, Judith. You're welcome. Cheers for that. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. And we're heading to Mandurah chatting with Steve. Good morning. How are you? We're good. Thank you. Yeah, I've just got a problem with my lemonade lemon. Um, it's um, It's got fruit on it. It's, uh, you know, it's growing okay. It's looking healthy, except there's sometimes on the other lemonade, um, I get a bit of um, yellow on the um, on the leaves at the end, but this one, the fruit, uh, when I pick it, I cut it in half, and it's very dry inside. Ooh, okay. Is it in a pot or in the ground? In the ground. Very dry. Is it getting enough water? And well, even if it's not getting enough water, dig down to see if the water is getting through. So, wetting agent, mulch. Um, yep. Yeah, I think it's a moisture issue if your fruit is dry. Inside, yeah. Well, cut it up and it, and it sort of goes a bit brown in the centre and it's very dry. Uh, like it, you couldn't squeeze any juice out of it because it's too dry. It looks like it's been uh, dehydrated. I've thought the same thing as you were saying, but I've been giving it water. Okay. Uh, I might just take a bit of a shovel and dig down and see if the water's getting right down to the roots. Well, but, uh, no, but the other, okay, the other thing is it could be a trace element deficiency. And so uh -huh. the go to will be to providing it with a good quality citrus fertilizer that's got a range of trace elements. All right. And what about the uh, yellow around the green, uh, the leaves? Sometimes the other, my lime tree has yellow around the uh, edge of the The leaves are nice and green and then around the edges sort of it gets a bit yellow. Uh, that could also that, be to do, could be to do with the deficiency. As well. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right. Off to Bunnings I go and get yep. some more. <laughs> Off you go, Steve. Yeah. Siphon straight into your bank account. <laughs> know all about it. <laughs> Take care, love. All right. Cheers. See you. Bye. Bye Thanks. for now. And just quickly on this one, did you want to touch on well, Margaret from Miranda? The, the uh, self-pollinating Fuerte avocado has lots of seed, seedlings coming up underneath. If potted on as gifts, will they fruit? Seedlings, particularly of avocado, uh, can't be guaranteed we don't know who their parents are because bees could have come in collecting pollen from another plant and bringing it across. And also growing avocados from seeds can take 10 years. So, you know, yeah. I, I always come back to let's know what variety we're growing. If yeah. we're going to invest a space in the garden. Absolutely. Um, and time let, and money. And let's energy. be sure about what we're growing. Yeah. Yes, you can. Uh 
but take it on as a project. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, thank you for that. Our work is done. We are over time. Just very quickly, we have a new member, Cynthia Rowlandson. Now, Cynthia lives in Gosnells. She turns 81 today and she's a big fan of the gardening show. So much so that no one is allowed to speak to her or contact her when the gardening show is on. We can relate to that. Cynthia, happy birthday from Let's Talk Gardening and everyone here at Curtin FM. I hope you have a beautiful day. Certainly the weather is on your side. Enjoy. And thank you for being such a big fan. We appreciate that. So lots of love to you, Cynthia. Now, okay, we need to scat. Do you have something? I just want to say to Brad, Ellen and Janet, I have your emails here. We will get back to these next week. And there's another one over there as well. <laughs> okay. Thanks, thanks everyone. Gardenism for the morning is there will be people who say you buy too many plants. These are not your people. <laughs> Jim Crine is up next with the classic 60s. Take care, everyone. Happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.